Hello, listeners. It's Frank. Uh, Just a quick word about this week's episode. Uh, The digital age is wondrous indeed, but uh, technology is definitionally imperfect. Uh, So are we, uh, often remarked upon. You hear it more and more. Uh, You know, you really do hear it, how imperfect we are. Uh, And as a result, the imperfections of technology and ourselves have combined to make uh, the audio on this episode a little bit shaky in parts. It's basically fine. You should be able to get through most of the interview uh, and and it'll be the audio is is normal. It is absolutely fascinating. Chris Goldsmith is a great guest. Uh, but I just wanted to apologize uh, up front for the places where we weren't able to clean up the uh, audio quality and where there's there's obviously been some audio replacement. So thanks for your patience. Uh, I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I think you will. Chris is a tremendous guest. Uh, and you do hear that more and more. And in this case, it's true. Uh, so enjoy the episode. Thanks, y'all. Can't see me, but I'm like half juggling two lines. Afternoon, happy Friday. Welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through uh, dumbest America. I'm Maggie Moore, your Brooklyn correspondent, and I am joined by none other than Frank Spring. Thank you, Maggie. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you, everyone in our audience, for your many, many missives. Thank you for listening. Uh, I would like to take a moment uh, before we get into uh, into our interview with today's guest uh, to speak directly to the people who chose to impose yourselves on my attention to beg that I give walruses, whom I canceled on the last episode, to beg that I give walruses a second chance. No. Walruses know what they've done. They've made their choices. Uh, we, I can't undo what they have done, uh, and they know what they did. So thank you all for coming to plead uh, the case of walruses, but uh, I'm afraid uh, walruses remain canceled and will be until further notice. Our guest this week is Chris Goldsmith, the author of an investigation into, excuse me, the report is titled An Investigation into Foreign Entities Who Are Targeting Troops and Veterans Online. This is an incredibly worthy a piece of, uh, of effectively investigative journalism that, uh, that Chris has done. Chris is part of the policy and government affairs team at Vietnam Veterans of America. Uh, in this role, he advises members of Congress and the administration on the implementation of policy regarding post-9-11 American veterans. He was born in New York and joined the 3rd Army to serve as a forward observer with the Army's 3rd Infantry Division, with which he served in Iraq. And since separating from the Army with a general discharge after surviving a PTSD-related suicide attempt, Chris has become an advocate for veterans with PTSD and those with less than honorable discharges. Uh, He is the founder and president of High Ground Veterans Advocacy, a 501c3 not-for-profit, which partners with military and veteran service organizations to train veterans to become grassroots advocates and leaders in their local communities. And since 2017, he's been investigating foreign entities that target troops, veterans, and their families online. Chris, thank you so much for coming to join us today. Thank you for having me. Chris, we're really excited to talk to you because I feel like there's been, I don't know, some like low-key treason-esque stuff going on in the news cycle. Uh, And you spent a tremendous amount of your time uh, digging into stuff related to that as well. So before we dig into uh, the report itself, I would love if you could tell us um, a little bit about uh, the organization that you're working with now. Tell us a little bit about the Vietnam Veterans of America. Sure. So, um, you know, thanks again for having me. Uh, this is a cool opportunity to kind of uh, talk about this with a, a new audience. So Vietnam Veterans America um, is a congressionally chartered veteran service organization. So what that means is uh, it's similar to like VFW and American Legion, uh, where it's, it's one big organization 
with a bunch of chapters. Uh, instead of having posts like the Legion and DFW does, we don't have the physical uh, infrastructure. We just have members meeting uh, in churches and, um, you know, any common space that they can get. Um, that is for a reason, and that is that when Vietnam veterans return home from uh, their war, they it's not just the, the protesters that didn't exactly welcome them home. It was American veterans of World War II and Korea. Uh, it was their father's generation who, when they tried to walk into a VFW hall, they'd be told, oh, you didn't fight in a real war, um, which left them uh, not just um, abandoned socially, uh, but it also meant that there was no elder generation of veterans ensuring that they had the benefits that they needed when they came home. So Vietnam Veterans America is, is kind of known for being a little bit different than the traditional veteran service organization. Uh, and that's kind of why I work there. They give me a very long leash and they're basically known for being the, uh, the, the pit bulls in the room where um, if the administration, any administration, we're members of Congress are not being cooperative with veterans organizations. We are the ones who will not hold back. Um, we're also the ones who are most likely to sue uh, the Pentagon or the VA for uh, mistreating or, or not treating veterans who deserve uh, care. So for Vietnam Veterans America, I am the Associate Director for Policy and Government Affairs and Chief Investigator, which is the longest title ever, and it's tiny, tiny print on my business card. Um, it's a very cool title, though. I mean, you have to admit, <laughs> it's pretty boss. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so the, the Chief Investigator thing, I, as far as I know, I'm the only person who has ever been an investigator for a veterans organization. And that kind of came about by accident. It's not something that I sought out or ever thought that I would be doing. Um, yeah, I would actually love ago. to start there a little bit. Um, so, mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to, one, hear about, uh, let's see, like, how did all of this, particularly this investigation, uh, the report that you, that was released a little bit ago, start? And is this actually how you got your title or did that happen prior to, um, prior to this investigation? Yeah, so I, um, they had to give me the title to justify the work that I was doing, basically. Ah. <laughs> so some people, some men are born investigators, some achieve investigation, and some have investigation thrust upon them. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, uh, my day job working for Vietnam Veterans America is supposed to be working on policy. Um, so things like fixes to loopholes in the GI Bill that are getting exploited, um, ensuring that veterans get uh, proper health care and the military families are not forgotten. Um, but two years ago, um, being the resident millennial at Vietnam Veterans America, I'm naturally helping them out with their social media. I discover an imposter social media page. So that kind of... What does that um, mean, an imposter social media? So, uh, so Vietnam Veterans America has a Facebook page with that name. And I found a, uh, a similar looking page using our trademark logo, um, which is 
not only protected by trademark law, but it, it's actually statutory, um, meaning that when Congress gave us their congressional charter, with it came basically an extra level of protection saying that people can't falsely represent themselves as a congressionally chartered organization. So the imposter page was called Vietnam Vets of America. It otherwise looked like it was us. They were using photos from our page uh, with our CEO who uh, and, and national president, who is very recognizable among the 86,000 members of VBA. And they were posting things about military benefits. So at first, when I saw this, I'm thinking like, oh, okay. Um, it's linking to a, a .eu website, vvets.eu. I'm like, well, maybe we have a member over there who's just thinking they're doing a good thing. Um, and in fact, their social media page was uh, growing in followers rapidly day by day. And I was thinking, oh, maybe we can offer this person a job. Um, but it, after a couple of weeks, we of watching it, we figured out that they were sharing um, falsified news and sensationalized news that was um, similar to what the Russians did during their election interference, where they were just trying to sow discord in American democracy. And frankly, I after looking at this stuff for two years, I'm really impressed uh, by these folks. They are they are good at what they do. Um, in terms of targeting us on uh, targeting our cultural sensitivities and, and friction points and uh, getting us aggravated at one another. It's, it's um, insidious, but they're really good at it. So what do they do? What are, the, what are they so good at um, that, as you say, targets our, our friction What's points? What's the trouble? voodoo that they do so well? <laughs> yes, that's what so, I was trying to ask. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> Yeah, so one of their magic voodoo things, um, this specific page found a local media story from somewhere in rural Massachusetts um, where the story was a African-American Vietnam veterans monument had been defaced. Now, uh, if you grow up in the Northeast, there are evergreen bushes that are around like every school, and these evergreen bushes grow little red berries. And little kids take these red berries and they smush them on things. So that's what happened to this monument kind of thing that washes off in the rain. But, you know, it's local media. They cover all sorts of stuff. And within 24 hours of this local media station um, doing this 58 second clip, this page had it on Facebook uh, looped for four hours and made it appear as if it was a live stream video. So you have a news anchor, you have people getting interviewed, you have a defaced veterans monument, and you have the real Chiron at the bottom that says, you know, Vietnam veterans monument defaced. So um, with this, they're targeting African-Americans, they're targeting um, Vietnam veterans, and they're kind of subconsciously, you know, going at both of these uh, the the racial aspect of black vets are are being treated differently than white vets, and more broadly, veterans are being disrespected. So, over the video and over the real news chiron, they 
put meme style text, like the white meme style text you see everywhere. And it said, do you think the criminals must suffer? Um, and it encouraged people to either use a heart emoji for no or an angry emoji for yes. Now, not only have they figured out how to take a, a stale 58-second clip and loop it for four hours and trick Facebook's algorithms into thinking it's live uh, breaking news story, but they also encourage people to use these um, the emoticons as reactions, which um, are rewarded by the Facebook algorithm more than a simple like. So... Basically, if you if you like something on Facebook, it tells Facebook's algorithms that you're invested in something. But if you do an angry face or a heart face or a laughing face, it shows that you're a little more invested. So Facebook makes it then more likely that content from that page and similar content will end up in your newsfeed. If you, Chris, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if you had written a script which involved a mechanic in which like that, that opposed like angry face versus like a heart. Uh, I would have said that was way too on the nose. Like that is just at like the, like the good thing you want to be is angry. The bad thing you want to be is loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, I watched, I, I found the video cause I followed the page. Um, when I found it, I, I watched the video pop up and over four hours I watched shared thousands of times received thousands of reactions, responses, comments. Um, and I have no doubt that news of an African American veterans monument being vandalized ruined a couple people's day. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing where a veteran who may be struggling, um, hears that type of thing and it, and it might really affect them, um, in ways that are, hard to describe. You know, if, if you feel like your service and sacrifice, even if it was 50 years ago, is not being respected, um, that could be heartbreaking. You know, and, and that's what these foreign trolls were trying to do to our community. The thing that I find so interesting about the these sites is that they are, or about the Facebook pages, that they're incredibly adept at tapping into um, like cultural flashpoint, American cultural flashpoints. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. like it's a black veteran um, or services being disrespected. And I think maybe this is a bit like centered um, American wise, but like, I feel like so many flashpoints are a bit nuanced for a country that you don't mm-hmm. live in. Um, so I'm wondering how, do you know anything or can you talk a little bit about their process of discovering what content works, why it works, and then how they can, how they've been using those insights to gain, to gain the Facebook al- algorithm? Like, do you know anything about their process um, in terms of like what pictures work better than others? So they, um, if you, uh, um, have you ever seen Hamilton 58 or whatever it is, uh, Hamilton 68 maybe? Um, there's a, there's a website, uh, run by a, a nonprofit that is, um, you know, supposed to be bipartisan Democrats and Republicans set it up together, uh, which tracks confirmed Russian accounts, Russian state media, and suspected amplifying bot accounts. And it tracks what they're tweeting, um, 
Twitter is is pretty friendly uh, for researchers, so it's it's possible for researchers to build these types of tools for Twitter. And if you go to uh, this tool online, you will see that they're sharing their Russian propaganda, but they're also sharing things like Hannity and the Daily Caller. Um, so they're basically and Breitbart. So they're basically watching what works for Breitbart and Hannity and the Daily Caller, and they're just repeating that. So if there's a, a theme, you know, uh, black say Breitbart is saying Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, the Russians are going to say it too. So they're basically they don't even have to do opposition research; they just watch what the fringe elements in the United States are saying and just turn up the volume. So they're using an American playbook uh, for their own. For, for their own for their own operations, it sounds like. So, which leads us to a good question: mm-hmm. Who are they, and what do they want? Who are these malefactors, and what are they hoping to accomplish by this? So, most of the reporting. So, there there are like the Russians, right? And we, uh, the Mueller report explains how they were using these pages and these brands that they were creating to target Americans for the purpose of sowing discord, not necessarily targeting elections, right? They, they were still working in 2017, um, well after the election was over. Their, their primary purpose is to sow discord in our democracy, to get us, the citizens, the citizens of the United States, to not trust one another, not trust institutions, um, institutions like the government, um, like the FBI, the Department of Justice, the VA, um, and also not to trust uh, mainstream media to make us suspicious and paranoid of one another. Um, you know, Russia isn't exactly quiet about this type of thing. They actually published a manual for um, basically doing cyber and, and psychological operations um, that anyone can like buy on online or like find it on Google. So now as for the people that I found while looking into my report, um, they, when talking to me and when talking to the press, uh, often say that it's financially motivated. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I don't think that they could possibly make as much money as, as they claim to. And I've seen a bunch of instances where they're simply not monetizing a page at all. So, a few months ago, in April of this year, a couple of Macedonians tricked the Americans who are running uh, the Vets for Trump Facebook page. So it's a Vets for Trump pack runs the Vets for Trump Facebook page. Macedonians stole it from them. And rather than the Macedonians take it and start posting links with ad-filled websites or selling merchandise, they were simply just promoting Donald Trump and attacking Democrats. So, you know, I actually found the, the human beings behind the anonymous avatars. Uh, these two guys, the Arsov brothers in Macedonia, and they just, they just say, no, it's, it's all, it's all to make money. Uh, this is, this is a business for us, but They're more I don't believe in the business of chaos. I mean, it's sort of like the, they're like the Joker, right? Where they, they just kind of want to, they don't necessarily, I mean, maybe there is like an end game, uh, but for the most part, mm-hmm. it's just discord and, and chaos and, and pandemonium. Destabilization efforts, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if so in the back of my report, I include a, a map of the countries that I've found these um, admins to be from. And you'll see that they're all over the world. Um, but there are concentrations in uh, countries that are in the Russian sphere of influence. So other than, you know, the circumstantial evidence of having a bunch of admins in Russia and the Russian sphere of influence in Eastern Europe and Vietnam, uh, you know, I can't definitively say that it's um, like the, quote, Russians uh, of the IRA, like pulling the strings. But it seems to be people who learned from them because mm-hmm. they're engaging in exactly the same activity and using literally the same exact content, using the Russian brands. It's kind of like those Russian Facebook pages never went away because uh, they saved all of the memes that they created, the videos, and now they just use it on a thousand different pages. How did you find these guys, the Arsoft brothers? And what was that initial conversation like? So, hi, guys, I, I see you've been attempting to destabilize my <laughs> democracy. Uh, could we have a chat? So I, the first foreign troll that I found was this guy named Nikola Mitov uh, from Bulgaria. And he was the one, or that was the alias or whatever it was, uh, behind the fake Vietnam Veterans America pages. Um, that guy never responded to my emails. Uh, I found him on Reddit. He abandoned his account after that. Um, but Two years later, if one person uh, has been Mac driven Delian. off of Reddit, your work is done, Chris. Like, congratulations! <laughs> <and> thank, you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, but the Arsov brothers are are a different. Um, they kind of like being known for uh, for this type of activity. Uh, they were outed by BuzzFeed. Uh, BuzzFeed partnered with an anti-corruption organization in Macedonia and basically outed them and, and showed how they were. Um, created what they were calling the fake news empire and like hiring trolls to create uh, like sensationalist right-wing pro-Trump news. So these guys say that they started off just, you know, doing clickbait websites like uh, diet loss or weight loss diet secrets and uh, muscle car tips to uh, right-wing politics because they were getting more clicks with that stuff. And they say that over time, focusing on these right-wing politics stories, they themselves became tremendous Trump supporters and hardcore conservatives. Um, You know, why in a country with 30% unemployment do a bunch of Macedonians supposedly really care about American politics um, and support the American president? I don't know. I I can't think of a good reason. Um, You know, I, I thought... I imagine that they would be much more concerned with uh, their own failing government. But they incepted themselves. Wow, that is like it's self-radicalized. That is absolutely amazing. Or so they claim, right? Yeah. But also if you're like yeah, bored so and on the internet, what else are you going to do with your time if you're they're unemployed and chilling at your computer? You know, might as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and I would believe that if they had monetized the page that I had found. Mm. So the Vets for Trump page, when the Macedonian took it over, he, uh, for some reason, um, made his Gmail address visible on the info page. So I just sent him an email um, 
because it was a, a familiar name, a name that I knew from this BuzzFeed story months earlier, when I was writing him an email, it wasn't as much of a cold email as, as the original Bulgarian. Um, this guy, I knew stuff about him, knew where he lived. So I made that clear in my first email and he started responding. Mm-hmm. And you alluded, jumping off of that um, a little bit, you alluded to this before we um, started recording, but I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what the process of the investigation was like. Um, what does it do to you, number one, to engage with this kind of content on a regular basis? And then how, like, what does it feel like? And what was your experience in talking with people who are sowing this kind of discord and you can have that kind of like one-on-one interaction with like the real human being behind that, that avatar. So yeah, what was this investigation process like for you and how did it affect you? So it was entirely, so my, my investigation focuses primarily on Facebook. Um, most investigations of this kind tend to face on, uh, uh, be focused on Twitter. And that's because Twitter makes their data available for researchers. Any researcher can, you know, go in and search for uh, tweets that are coming from a certain town or region or whatever. On Facebook, they um, say that they value privacy. What they really mean is is they don't want uh, researchers getting in and seeing how bad things really are. So everything that I did was manual. I would go to the same Facebook page that, that you guys do on your desktop and just type into the search bar, veteran and then the next day veterans and then the next day army and the next day marine and so on and so on and so on. And over time I started to recognize patterns, um, the same material, the same content being posted, uh, the same grammatical, um, errors and mistakes, both in images and in the comments around them, uh, similar or the same, links or uh, merchandise being sold on different pages. And Facebook's tool um, for recommending pages, similar pages or related pages, was actually super helpful. Um, So I would find one suspicious page, scroll down a little bit, and then on the right side, there's this little recommended pages thing. And that would lead me to the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, And over the course of the last two years, I've I had something like 160 Facebook pages in my catalog um, that I was watching grow and uh, watching the way that they act and basically documenting everything that I could with screenshots and ordering everything by date. So I compiled a ton of data that, frankly, if I wanted to get everything out, it would take me a couple of years to write a more complete report. Um, but I frankly needed to finish this one and, and get it out. So I stopped uh, most of my research in early summer and just started writing and ended up with this 191-page uh, document. Chris, is anything going to be done about this? <laughs> Can anything An be done? An excellent question. Will anything <laughs> be done about this? So, um, you know, one of... So I'm an advocate, right? That's that's my job. That's my profession. Um, my job isn't just to to complain about problems. It's to come, you know, identify problems and propose solutions. Uh, I I wouldn't have a job if I weren't coming up with solutions. 
this report uh, really frustrated me because there are no simple solutions. Um, you know, when you are looking to censor foreign propaganda, it is very easy to run up against the First Amendment because, well, you know, who's an American and, you know, what is truth anyway? Uh, these are questions that need to be answered by someone. And I'm certainly not the person who can answer that stuff. Um, but we do uh, recommend some kind of, I think, game-changing things. We would like to see a director of cybersecurity um, elevated to a cabinet-level position in, in the White House. Cybersecurity is, is frankly, um, the, you know, what we call the fifth domain. There's, we fight over land, we fight over water, uh, air, and space. The fifth domain is the Internet. And the fifth domain is the most active war zone that we've got on this planet. Um, so I think that there, there should be a director of cybersecurity security who has direct access to the American president uh, at all times. And shouldn't have to go through um, a national security advisor or uh, a Pentagon chief or anything like that. Um, we're also trying to get the Department of Veterans Affairs to start considering cyber hygiene as a health need for veterans. Um, that you know might sound a little weird to just about every generation of veterans, but uh, you know the fact is is if you are a veteran who is disabled and the internet is your window to the world. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for that window to the, for bad stuff to come through that window. Um, you know, whether that's viruses that can compromise your, um, your bank account information or it's individual targeting by, um, scammers who are assuming the identities of other vets um, you know, these, or if it's propaganda and ending up in your newsfeed all the time, you know, if you like the Bulgarian website was doing posting these inflammatory videos, if you're inundated with that stuff day after day and you're an elderly vet, um, that stress level can stress your heart, you know, and we're talking about real health effects caused by propaganda. Now, I don't know that there's any studies out there that, uh, have quantified this type of problem, but, um, I can certainly see it, you know, people who are constantly pissed off, uh, you know, whether the internet is at fault or not, they tend to be less healthy. No, it, um, totally. It definitely affects your health. And I feel like I've read some stuff recently just about people having news born anxiety, um, people who are, you know, mm -hmm. latched onto this news cycle since 2016 and beyond, you know, um, do experience mm -hmm. high, higher levels of anxiety. Um, but one last question that I have for you, Chris, you were speaking a little bit. So, Chris, you know, Frank is asking uh, what can be done about this. And you were talking a little bit about sort of defensively, uh, just based off of the things that you learned in this report, what we should be doing. And I'm wondering if, one, what your thought is about offensively. Is there a way that we can be using the tactics that you've learned and uncovered in this report and sort of weaponize it for good? Do you think that that's possible? Can we close the yeah. meme gap? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we can. Um, I mean, we can adopt the same tactics, techniques, tools, and procedures that these foreign trolls are using and use them as force for good. 
Um, but I, what I would prefer in terms of offensive measures is make sure that our FBI and any other relevant agency has the tools that they need to go put hands on bad guys. Um, you know, the way that we as Americans, the American people and members of Congress who represent us have been looking at this problem is just waving their finger and saying, Facebook bad and, you know, kind of having this caveman response. Well, what we really need to do is is look at this in terms of Facebook is an American company. It's an American asset. And as we've seen, it can help spark um, revolutions as, as it, you know, Twitter and Facebook did, um, you know, throughout the Middle East. It helps people earn rights and organize and gather together as in forces for good. Um, and the bad guys who are trying to manipulate Americans and turn this American asset against us, well, we have to get it in our, into our mindsets. Like, what if they did this with Raytheon or Boeing or Lockheed Martin? Yes, we'd be mad at those defense contractors for uh, being exploited and, and you know having lack of security. But we'd be, we as Americans, would be primarily bad, mad at the bad guys who fired the missiles at us, right? So. What we need to do uh, is encourage members of Congress to do everything that they possibly can to make sure that our um, our military and our criminal justice folks are able to put hands on the individuals behind the anonymous avatars. Because telling Facebook close the junk accounts is playing whack-a-mole, and there is zero cost to that. We want to put a real price on this kind of activity. Right. I mean, that's why, well, I guess maybe primarily reason why I haven't been on Facebook in the past couple of weeks slash month, because I find it to be a a hellscape of just like never ending uh, Facebook accounts. Um, So thank you for slogging around in the muck um, for us to, to bring, to bring the report out the open. Um, and I think now is the perfect opportunity, Frank, if you so agree, for us to pivot to our favorite round set of questions that we do with all of our guests. Um, so it's about four questions long. It's pretty simple. Uh, no pressure. Um, so let's, let's begin. First question. Um, what is a book, a piece of music, movie, a TV show, basically any piece of culture that you would like to recommend to our listeners that you are currently enjoying? Uh, I've, I've been staring at literally nothing but propaganda for the last two years. <laughs> I, I don't have any positive things to share. Maybe like go outside is, and get culture is your, is your recommendation. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I recently got a little dog named Frosting who's, who's famous. Um, and, and that is basically like the, uh, he's, he's helping me recover from my two year investigation. That was also so, quite a good story, uh, but yes, get a dog is an excellent recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Culture we recommend get a, get a dog. Dogs. And, yeah. You know, if, so if you, uh, if you Google my name now, it, the autofill, it goes Christopher Goldsmith dog, Christopher Goldsmith frosting. And there's like, I've been doing advocacy on stuff like the GI bill for 10 years and that shit's not even on there. It's all frosting now. Screw that. Screw all of your hard work for veterans and their family members. We want a cute dog with stumpy legs that found you and your beautiful wife, Lauren. That's all we want. 
Yep. Yep. Perfect. Dogs. Excellent. Always good. Uh, Chris, what is a food or a drink that you've had recently that you would recommend? Um, apple brandy. And the reason that I, I think that more people should drink apple brandy is because it is uh, really the first American spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, George Washington used to make apple brandy. Uh, Interesting. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. So the United States used to have hundreds of different species of apple, and we had some really complex culinary and uh, and fermenting apples that would create all sorts of uh, ciders, flavors that, frankly, none of us know, because uh, during Prohibition, all of these apple trees, which were used to make apple brandy, were cut down. Um, so we lost hundreds of species of apples during the Prohibition. So That's there are very few American brandy makers, uh, apple brandy makers, and everyone should go out and support apple brandy until it becomes the national drink again. I feel like that's also a perfect drink for the season now that it's like, I mean, in New York, it's been, it was like 92 days ago in October, which is obscene. Uh, but as we're getting closer mm-hmm. to fall, I feel like apple brandy is a perfect, perfect, perfect pick. Um, yep. It's a great okay, suggestion. Then, Just an incredibly yeah. strong call, Chris. <laughs> and then question number three, which is our usual um, brain teaser question. Um, is soup just, con- should soup be considered a smoothie? Should what? Is soup a smoothie? Is soup a smoothie? No. Is a smoothie soup? (laughs) So, uh, I mean, okay, so like cream of tomato, if it's put in a blender, that is is a smoothie. You know, that's blended fruit. But, uh, you know, if you're making Italian wedding... No, but a, a smoothie does have to be put into a blender. Mm. Okay. Yeah, he's right. right. He's right. He makes a good point. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah. In, in, in these troubled times, a lot of people are interested in doing something. Uh, and what is, so what is one organization you would recommend our listeners support uh, with their time and resources and why? Um, student Veterans in America. They, they are an organization that um, they are the only veterans organization that really reaches uh, hundreds of thousands of new vets every year. Um, the majority of veterans getting out of the military end up using their GI Bill, uh, whether that's through school or through a training program. Many of these schools and training programs have Student Veteran of America chapters. And I have personally found that um, these chapters, uh, they're democratic organizations, they often give uh, veterans who are struggling a sense of purpose and a sense of direction and help them find mentors uh, and community. Um, So Student Veterans America, the national organization, or their local chapters, um, wherever they can find them. <clears throat> that is an awesome recommendation. We'll be sure to put that in our show notes so uh, folks cool. can can find either the national chapter or figure out where their local chapter might be. Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolutely, this was an incredible conversation, if not slightly chilling uh, at some points when thinking about really what our foreign adversaries can be doing to us at any point in time. 
Chris, where can people find you and your work on the internet? So if they go to vva.org slash troll report, they can read my entire report. It's got lots of pictures, so it's marine friendly. <laughs> Damn. Perfect, perfect. I'd say that's also an indictment of our listeners, which feels fair at this point in time. Um, but we will also be linking to the report in our show notes so folks can find that as well. Uh, once again, Chris Goldsmith, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, on Taking Ship. Uh, you can follow uh, me at MaggieM012. You can follow Frank at, at FrankSpring. And Chris, what is your Twitter handle if our fair listeners haven't followed you yet? It is Chris with a K. So K-R-I-S, Goldsmith85. Awesome. Uh, and you can also follow the show at Taking Ship. And that ship with a P as in please get off Facebook and go out about in the real world. Uh, and I think Frank, you have a, a short, uh, short destination for us on the, uh, on our war on the seas. Is that correct? I do. We're heading for the coast off of Southern Australia, where as part of, I've got, I wish I were making this up as part of a promotion by Airbnb, uh, a small number of fans of, uh, and kiss that's right. Detroit rock city band kiss, uh, will, uh, they will be there at some point in November. Uh, these fans on and kiss on boats. The fans will be lowered beneath the surface of the water where they will hang out with great white sharks while Kiss plays a concert that is broadcast into the ocean via submarine speakers. I am not joking. Kiss is going to play a concert for a small number of fans and sharks. I don't know why everything in the world must feel like having a stroke these days, but apparently it must. Uh, so we're going to go down there because it's you can't tell what the effect of, of, uh, of Gene Simmons will be on a shark. Will it kill them stone dead? Will it horrify them and make them swim away? Or will it only make them more powerful? This is something that we have to see. So, friends, we take ship for the southern coast of Australia and a submarine kiss concert. God help us. Thanks, everyone.